Young and old slay giants. Because we all face things in life. Everybody faces challenges in life. Everybody face, faces things at times in their life where it can look big, where there can be things that come out of the blue. You can face giants in life, okay? And you can face things at a young age. You know what I know in my life, there was things that I faced at a young age. And they were huge. Major milestones at a young age. And you know what? From a young age, you can have the victory in Jesus Christ. And you know what? When you're middle age, you can have the victory in Jesus Christ. And praise God, when you're older, you can have the victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God has God's, um, brought us into a kingdom where the Bible lets us know that we are overcomers in that kingdom. And the reason we're overcomers is because Jesus is the overcomer. And that we are born of him. So there's victory in Jesus. Amen? Amen. You don't have to live with the same things all of your life. You don't have to put up with the same things all of your life. You don't have to deal with the the same thoughts all of your life. You don't have to deal with the things that have crippled you all of your life. You don't have to be a victim when you know you're a a victor. You don't have to be a victim when you know that you're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. So if you think you're a victim, it's because you're not meditating on who you are in Christ. When people go and take their identity from where they came from, their upbringing or any of those kind of things, all of the things of, you know, woe is me. If you take your identity from that, you will stay a victim for the rest of your life. But when you take your identity from who you are in Christ Jesus, then he becomes your identity. Now you're identified in Christ Jesus and you stop seeing yourself beneath and you start seeing yourself seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Where do you take your identity from? Because your identity is important when it comes to living an overcoming life. Now, we looked at David and we seen that David as a young man, he took out Goliath. And we looked at him and we looked at several things with his life. But you know what? David had a relationship with God and he took his identity from God. He took his identity from his covenant that he had with God. And he was able to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And what that basically means is, who is this guy who doesn't have a covenant with God? I have a covenant with God. God is with me. And because David knew God was with him, he actually ran at Goliath. Amen. When everybody else ran from him, David ran at him. And that is a a wonderful picture to have. If you're going to take out giants, you need to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And then we started looking at um, Caleb and Joshua and the the other spies there, the the 12 spies that went in to spy out the land. And and, um, Moses, God told Moses to send spies in. So they picked out leaders from the tribe, and these guys were leaders. It was the best that, you know, they had in the bunch. These guys have just come out of slavery, remember? But there were still leaders there. And they went in to spy out the land. And you know what? We need to be like that as well. You know what? You need to be brave enough to go and expose yourself to more. If you're going to walk into more in God, you have to go and see it. And some people are not brave enough to go and look where God wants to bring them. But you have to be brave enough to expose yourself. So God sent in these spies in to spy out the land and they were to get up high and get a good view of the place and they did. And so they seen the land that God wanted to bring them into and it was a a wonderful place for them to go. The Bible says it was the land of abundance. 
Praise God. Never think that God wants to take you into the land of lack. God took them into the land of abundance. Amen. And he said, take something back. So they, they took back the fruit of the land and they took back the, the grapes and the, they had to put them in a skewer and two men to carry these grapes back. I would say they were like bowling balls being carried back. What was that for? So that you could see it. The rest of the people could see it. And you know what? You need to get a taste of where God wants to bring you. Yeah. Amen. Get a taste of it. You know what? God is interested in our own lives. You know what? God loves us as individuals. Um, some people go to extremes with that and they teach to the point of where people think the move of God is all about money. The move of God is not all about money. The move of God is about doing what God's called us to do. But the thing about it is God loves us. And God says you'll eat the good of the land. And so whatever's good in the land that you live in, you can eat the good of that. So God wants us to live well and God will look after us. But you know what? We're not just here just for stuff. We're here so that we can fulfill the plan, the purpose of God upon our lives. The most important thing should be to our lives is to find out who, is, who God has called us to be. Find out your, the personal call of God as, as what you have been gifted for in the body of Christ. And then go and be all God's called you to be. That should be the, the purpose of your life. You know, like for me, uh, and uh, with ministry, actually say, talking about this the other day with Donna, because I was just talking to God on the way home, and I, say, I was just talking to God, and I said, God, I love, I love ministry. I love your word more than I love anything. I love ministering your word more than I love anything. I love your word more than I love money, more than I love stuff. If it came to the choice, I'll always put God's word first. Why? Because I love his word more than I love anything. But I also understand this. Wisdom comes with two hands. And when you put God first and elevate God, the Bible says wisdom in the right hand is, is length of days. Amen. And in the, or the, the right hand, look at me. I'm like Jimmy Cricket. Remember years ago, Jimmy Cricket, a comedian, he used to wear welly boots and they had them on the wrong feet. But anyway, in the right hand is a long life. And in the left hand is riches and honor. So when you seek Jesus, when you seek Jesus is made unto us wisdom. When you seek wisdom, you get everything that wisdom has. When you seek Jesus, you get everything that Jesus has. So they went in, they spied out the land, they came back with the stuff. But you know what? Ten of the spies gave an evil report to give a good report. And you know what? As we often say, whose report are you going to believe? It's not about numbers. It's not about um, who, what, being popular. It's about whose report are you going to believe? Amen. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, J Joshua and Caleb standing in this crowd. And everybody was against them. Yet they still believed God. Can we believe when the crowd is against you? Can we still stand for what is right when the crowd is against you? When it's not popular? When everybody's saying this is the way it should be, or this is what I believe, or this is the way things should be. Can you believe for what is right in a world that is like more and more being upside down? Can you stand for the truth? Can you believe God? Amen. And so they did believe God. But what happened was God told them that the... Only two that is going to go in out of those spies, the only two that's going to go into the promised land was Joshua and Caleb, okay? The other ten spies, they died. 
and Joshua and Caleb, they were the only two that had a promise of going in. And everybody that was 20 years old and up would die in the wilderness. So it was going to be another generation would have to come through before they would enter into the promised land. Do you know what? You don't want another generation coming and doing what you're meant to do. Amen? Amen. We don't want to drop the, the button in our generation. Because if you miss what God has for you in this generation, the next generation will have to take up the pieces. And I found this out in the move of God as well. It just takes one generation to drop the button, and you know what? It puts a lot of pressure on the next one as well. Yeah. It just takes one generation of Christians to get fed up with coming to church. You know what? Watch your children. Yeah. Watch your children. Because they'll do the same. Yeah. You know what? I, I grew up in a generation when everybody went to church. Didn't matter why you're Protestant or Catholic on this island. Everybody basically went to church in general, okay? On a Sunday, or you know what, if it was, someone was a Catholic, maybe a Saturday night, Sunday morning, you know, there was um, a mass of people in this island went to church. One generation got more interested in TV and got more interested in work and all of these kind of things that kept them too busy for church. And you watch to see their children, they stop coming. It just takes one generation. Just one. Praise God. Thank God for everyone in this house today. Amen. Because that's what's important. You have to, you have to lead your home. That's why um, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And you have to have that mindset in this generation. Because sometimes when you're driving about, I, I know whenever I drive places, coming in here all the time, every, every week nearly I, uh, whenever I come in here, I watch people cycling bikes, I watch people running, I watch people doing different things. And many times I'll say to Donna, isn't it just a shame the way Ireland is? There's people that only God doesn't even cross their mind on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Would you know what? If we all took that attitude, thank God for two people who stood up in their generation and said, we believe God. Yeah. We believe God. People think, oh, just, just showing up. It's not about that. It's about, it's about having a relationship with Him. Amen. This land needs people like you. Praise God. And you're a witness everywhere you go this week that there's a God who is alive and He's real to you. Amen. And this generation needs it. This generation needs hope. Praise God. So, uh, let me just bring something out here just for a moment this morning. Let me look at Numbers for a moment. Numbers to, um, to 14. Do you see, God gave two promises here, okay? In Numbers chapter 14. And it says here, Numbers 14 and verse 23, it says, Surely, this is talking about those that believed an evil report. And didn't believe that God could take them into the land. It says here, Surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. That was a promise. God said, Even though I have promised the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I'm going to bring the children of Israel into this land, He said, This generation, you won't see it. You won't see it. I will bring them in because God fulfills what He says. But God's saying, you, you're this generation, you're not going to say it. That was a promise, okay? 
Then in verse 24, here's another promise. He said, but my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit with him, that he had a spirit of faith and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Okay? And then straight after that, then the, ten, the other ten spies, they died at that stage. Verse 38, it says, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search um, the land, they still lived. Do you know why they still lived? Because they had the promise of going into the promised land. Now, they had a promise that was going to take 45 years to fulfill. Okay? 40 years of walking around in the wilderness for them to die off, and then another five years of going in and possessing the land. But there was a promise given. I mean, you know, God keeps His word. Amen? Imagine that 40... Five years, 40 years. Think about 40 years walking in the wilderness waiting for people to die off who didn't believe so that you could enter into what God had for you. Now, here's something I want you to see here for a moment because you see, when God gave that word and said they would not enter into the land, do you know what? Nothing was going to change that. And this is, we can learn stuff from this, okay? Now, look, look at Numbers 14 and verse 40. Now, here's what happened. There was a group of them that decided, now we want to go and enter into the land. Okay? And it said here in verse 40, it says, And they, this group, they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we are here, and we go up onto the place which the Lord had promised, and for we have sinned. So they decide that they are going. Okay? A group of them. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that he be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed, okay? They were presumptuous. They presumed to go up to the, the hilltop, Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. What does the ark represent? The presence of God. It represented God was with them. It represented the shout of the king was among them. It represented God was with them. But where, did the, where was the ark? The ark stayed in the camp. Where was Moses, their leader? He was in the camp as well. Imagine a group of people, they started to believe that they could just go in because they decided to go in. And the Bible says they were what? Presumptuous. Faith is not being presumptuous. Faith is a calculated step on God's word. That's what faith is. Faith is where God has given you a promise and you believe that promise. But God promised them that they would not enter into the land. And yet they thought we will go when God will be with us and God wasn't with them. We can learn something from this. Because you can only take out giants when God's with you. Amen. Now, we don't live in this covenant, okay, in the old covenant. So don't you ever think that God's not with you. Okay? As a believer, you're in a different covenant. 
And you have the Holy Ghost who moved in you forever. Don't ever think or don't ever let anybody tell you that the Holy Ghost is going to leave you. When you're a believer, the Holy Ghost came to live in you forever. When you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, the Holy Ghost didn't come to to live with you. The Bible said he came to live in you. Amen. So you have the presence of God in you, in your spirit all the time. Okay. But here's the thing. We are also physical as well. Okay. So you are, you're, you're a three-part being, your spirit, soul, and body. Okay. But when you get saved, your spirit then becomes saved and it's indwelt by the Holy Ghost. Okay. But you're also a two-part being. You could separate it up. The Bible does it that way as well. It calls you the outer man and it calls you the inner man. Okay. The inner man is the spirit and the soul. The outer man is the, is the body. Okay. Now, if you try to live out of your flesh, the Bible says you of yourself can do nothing. Okay? So if you try to um, do things in your ability, you're limited to your ability, whatever that is. And from God's point of view, God says that you of your own self can do nothing. But I'm telling you, when you live out of who you are in Christ, you can take out giants. And from that point of view, we can learn something from this because you see, you can go in your flesh to try and open doors or to make things happen and it won't work for you. But I'm telling you, just even if you know that you need God with you when you go, you'll be someone that'll pray. You'll be someone that'll be in the word because instead of living out your flesh, you'll live from the inner man out through your body and you're doing things then in God's strength. In the flesh, you can do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Every one of us, we need God. Praise God. You know, we don't want to be people that are presumptuous. Another, the other words for presumption are things like brazen, brass neck. I can do it anyway. You know, it's like, it's like not having a pass for somewhere. Yet I'm, I'm going to go and get a pass to get back there. Understand? It's like, you know, you know, have backstage passes for places. And someone that's brazen, you just go, I don't care if I have a pass or not, I'm going in. That's doing it in presumption. But let me tell you, we are not people of presumption. We have the Word of God. The Word of God is our backstage pass, so to speak. You understand? So we go based on the Word of God, believe in God. And it's amazing when you do it in God's strength, based on the promises of God. For a believer, let me tell you, all the promises of God are yes. yes. And we say, that's faith. Even though it's yes, you have to get an agreement with it. If you don't need to get an agreement with it, then it's like you're going, but God's not with you in it because you're doing it in your own ability. But I'm telling you, when you live out of the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you and you do it based on the Word of God, that quickens your faith. And now you go to possess what God has for you by faith. Let me tell you, you can take out giants whenever you do it with God, but you can't when you do it on your own. Amen? Praise God. Joshua and Caleb had the, like the, so to speak, the, the, the ticket. They had the pass. They had a promise. The rest of them didn't have a promise, but Joshua and Caleb did have a promise of going into the promised land. Amen. So we need to know that as believers, that we have that promise of God is for you. Who can be against you? You need to know that. 
You need to know whenever it comes to like the armor of God, the Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. If you're going to do things, you need to do it not in your power. You need to do it in His. You need to do it not in your ability. You need to do it in His ability. If you do it in in your ability, you will be like those other guys who just said, we're going, but we don't have a promise. But we're going to make it happen. No, we need to be people who say, here's what the Word says. I believe what God's Word says, and I'm stepping out on what God's Word says. Amen. All of those other guys showed up in the flesh. But Joshua and Caleb, they showed up in faith based on a promise. Amen. Faith is not presumption. Faith is a calculated step on God's Word. Faith is believing what God says to you. That's what faith is. I wish I learned that (laughs) earlier in my Christian walk because there's a lot of things I done in presumption. I'm going to do it. Because yes, I had a a promise, but I was doing it in the flesh. You understand? Because I'm going to make it happen. But I'm telling you, you see, whenever you understand that you need God, you know what you'll do? You'll pray. You'll pray and say, God, is this a decision I need to be making? Is this something I need to invest in? There was things I invested in financially, but I never asked God. I was just saying, God wants me to prosper. God wants me to prosper. But I wasn't going and saying, God, is this something you want me to invest in? You need to know God's with you in whatever you're going to do. Amen. Don't be like me and be stupid and sometimes lose before you wake up to it. You're smart when you just wake up to it because the Word says. Faith is not presumption. Faith is hearing from God. And where God quickens your spirit to where you believe. It is not you doing it in your own ability like these guys. Imagine the cheek of these guys, the brass neck of these guys, that when God said you won't enter into the promised land, they said, well, we've changed our mind now and we're going to enter in now. And they got whipped. Mm -hmm. Yet they quoted and said, God said he'd bring us in. Yeah, God said he would bring in the children of Israel into that land. But he also told that group, Because you didn't believe, you're not going in. But God did give a promise to Joshua and Caleb. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let me look over here for a second. In um, Joshua 14, verse 6, it says, Then the children of Israel came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the the son of Jephunneh. This is 45 years later, okay? It says, then, then the children of Judah came on to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kensnite, said unto him, Look at this here. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God. Look at this here, concerning me. Forty-five years later, what has he been holding on to for these forty-five years? He has been holding on to a promise that God gave him through Moses 45 years earlier. What keeps you in the waiting? Has anyone ever been in the waiting? Has anyone ever been where you've been holding on to something in God? 
What is it that keeps you? Well, we can learn something here from Caleb. 45 years, what was he doing? Holding on to a promise. You think, you think of that. For 45 years, or take the 40 years in the wilderness walking around till a bunch of doubting unbelievers died off. Walking around in circles, there was one person, two people with Joshua and Caleb there. Two people for sure we know about in that camp, okay? That were walking around for 40 years in the wilderness part in faith. Can you imagine going around a roundabout for 45 years? Some were walking around with no hope because they were walking around to the date off. But you know what? Joshua and Caleb were walking around and said, One of these days, amen, one of these days, God, you're going to say, Put the indicator on, amen, and we're going straight to the promised land. For 40 years, what was he, let me put it this way, what was he chewing on for 40 years? What was he meditating on for 40 years in the wilderness? A promise. God, you said, back when all of those doubting unbelievers, when they said we couldn't go into the promised land, we believed you, God. And you promised us that we were going into the promised land. He held on to a promise from God for 40 years. Let me tell you, sometimes you give up too quick. Sometimes you give up far too quick. Oh God, it hasn't happened yet. You've been waiting for a week. Imagine waiting for 40 years. Like I'm 40. Plus fat, okay? (laughs) Fat, okay? I'm 40 plus fat, okay? I'm 49. But you know what? Just think about it. For 40 years, I tried to think about 40 years and thought of all the things I'd done over a 40-year period. You get married, you have children, you know all of the different things. Got saved 30 years ago. You know, you think right back, that's back to my school days and all of those kind of things. You know, I had to get the binoculars out to look back there. Sometimes you forget about things back there. Caleb never forgot about it for one day. He walked around for 40 years going, one of these days, praise God. One of these days. Imagine talking to your children and you're in the wilderness saying, we're going to the promised land, amen. Now notice the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, the brethren that went up with us made the hearts of the people to melt. But he says, but I wholly followed the Lord. He's not saying it wasn't you, or Joshua as well. He's saying personally, I followed the Lord. This man has conviction. This man believes what God says. I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day. Look at, look at what he's, everything he's believing is based on something that God spoke to him through Moses. How much value do you put in God's word? How much value do you put in the promises of God? Do you value them the way this guy does? 40 years old, he's, no, he's holding on to words. That's what he's holding on to. Let me tell you, God's word is powerful. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Look at this, surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall thine inheritance and the children forever, because thy holy followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses. 
Look how many times he referred to that verse 12. And therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. Amen. What did he hold on, what did he hold on to? He held on to a word that God spoke to him. Let me tell you, if, you have, if you've had God's word speak to you, I know God's word is for us all, but there's times when you hear the word of God, it quickens in your spirit. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Sometimes when you hear the word of God, it quickens in an area. You hear something that quickens, it lights you up on the inside. You know what? It's something to do with your call. It's something to do with your destiny. It's something to do with your future. Yeah. That area quickens. There's people when you talk about soul winning, it's like a light goes on in the inside. And why? Because they just, that's their passion. There's somebody else's to do with ministry. There's someone else's to do with business. There's someone else it's to do with encouraging people. There's something else, someone else's to do with administration. There's all of these giftings that God gives. And you learn all of these things, but sometimes when it's to do with your call, it's like, boom, the light goes on on the inside of you. If you've had God speak to you in your heart, do not ever let anybody talk you out of what God has for your life. Even if it doesn't look like it. Even if other people say it can't be done. Joshua and Caleb had a bunch of people who said it couldn't happen, it couldn't be done. But they had a word from God. If you have a word from God, that is far superior than anybody else's opinion. But it hasn't happened yet. Do you have a word from God? Do you believe it? Amen? That's what it comes down to. Do you believe it? Let me say this here. There's an ingredient that every believer needs in their lives. And that is where you meditate on the word day and night. If you want that word to be living in you, it can't be a glance. It can't be something that you say, oh, do you know what? God spoke, but you never think about it from week to week. It needs to be fresh every day. It needs to be fresh. You know, the greatest example I have of meditating in the word is a cow chewing its cud. A cow can spend eight hours a day chewing. They're not in a hurry. Sometimes you'll see them sitting down and you just, yeah. (laughs) They're not like my dog. My dog just hoofs it. (laughs) You do that there, it's gone before its feet hit the ground. I walk to the back door and my dog's sitting like this. (laughs) Because I have the thing spoiled rotten. And it knows if it sees me, it's getting a treat. But when, it's, when I open the door, it sits like that until I take the hand from behind my back and then it's up. Yeah. And boy, many times, depending on the size of whatever I give it, it's gone. Woof, it's down. A dog just hoofs it down. Cow. Now, I'm thankful for people when they come to church and they, they do hoof it down, okay? Because there's other people who come, they don't hear a word. So at least when they're hoofing it down, at least it's going in. Okay? At least someone went in. Amen? You know, the other night I was doing a service and it was that warm in the room. I'm not joking. I said at the end of it, I said, you know what it was like tonight whenever I was preaching? I said, it was like when you go to them amusement places, you know you get the hammer and you whack one and one pops up. You whack out and another one pops up. 
I felt like that's what it was like the other night whenever I was preaching, because when one fell asleep, somebody else woke up. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> and then when I was asleep, somebody else was awake. So uh, I don't know what each one of them heard the other night, but anyway, <laughs> was that warm? I near fell asleep as well. But a cow can spend eight hours chewing, okay? And it can have 40,000 jaw movements in a day. They're not in a hurry. Do you know, when I think about my life, that has been my life for the last 30 years of being a Christian. Sitting, just hearing stuff, listening to stuff, and then meditating on it, thinking about it, pondering it. That's what meditation means. It means to mutter, it means to ponder, it means to think about it. It means to go over and over in your head, over and over in your spirit. A cow has four compartments in their stomach. They don't have four stomachs, they have four compartments. And they go through a whole process before that goes through their body. And one of the most disgusting things a cow does is a cow chews for a while, swallows it, and then spits it back up and chews again. But it's a disgusting illustration, but I don't know a better illustration for meditation. Because I'll meditate in the Word, and I'm sure you do as well. And when you're thinking things, and then you, you, you swallow it, so to speak. And then you go to bed that night. I lay in bed nearly every night. I listen to stuff. I lie thinking. I think about stuff. And then it lights out. And I wake up in the morning. You're meditating the word. What does it mean? Going over and over and over and over until it becomes a part of you. That's what, that's what Caleb did for 40 years in the wilderness. It was real to him. Amen. That is a key to possessing what God has for you and taking out giants. And when we speak again, I'll, I'll talk about a, an 85-year-old who was taking out giants. Praise God. An 85-year-old. Some people say, I'm too old. No, you're not. No, you're not. Some people say, oh, I'm 60 or whatever. Like Moses, Moses lived to 120. You're only mid-age. Amen. You're only, you're only halfway there. Praise the Lord. 